0: Welcome to episode 31 of the WASB Connection Podcast. High school students across Wisconsin aspire to be educators. Leah Luke, a teacher in Boston, believes that encouraging these students to pursue that goal could be one way to ease the state's teacher shortage. She is the state coordinator for Educators Rising, a national group that's hosted here by the Wisconsin Education Association Council can think of this organization like an FFA program for future teachers. Students in Educators Rising Clubs explore careers in education while supporting each other, and considering the response that many young people get when they say they want to teach, as Leah will explain, that support is critical.
1: I always ask that question at the beginning of the year with the new students, and I say, hey, how many of you have shared with someone important to you that you're thinking about going into education? They all raise their hand, and then I, I always ask, you know, how many of you have experienced a negative a reaction, just like what Erin has described. And almost every
0: hand goes up. We'll talk about the role of board members in helping to solve the teacher shortage, as well as how to start an Educators Rising chapter in your district. We'll also hear from Erin, a recently graduated high school senior, who talks about what Educators Rising did for her and why she wants to teach.
2: I always knew in my future profession, I wanted to help somebody. I want to be the reason a kid wants to come to school.
0: Before we get started with Leah and Erin, I have a brief request. The WASB's recent membership survey told us that many members are not aware we have a podcast. So if you enjoy this podcast, please share it with one other person and tell them about an episode that spoke to you. So we're joined today by Leah Luke, the Educators Rising State Coordinator in Wisconsin and a Spanish teacher at Mawson High School, as well as Erin Colley, a graduating senior at Mawson High School. Welcome, both of you.
1: Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you.
0: So many listeners, of course, are aware that the state's not producing enough education graduates, so we have a teacher shortage that's getting worse. Could you talk a little bit, Leah, about the shortage in Wisconsin and why it's an important issue? I'm sure
1: every listener of your podcast is experiencing some area of teacher shortage in the state. I know that 30% in some of the four-year universities, their enrollment in their teacher prep programs are down by 30%. And boards play such a crucial role in setting the conditions for keeping and you know recruiting and retaining teachers. You know, if somebody will be in a district for five years and then they'll travel 10 miles down the road and for a different set of benefits or a different set of pay and I miss the days when you joined a district and you were committed to that district, and I wonder if we can get back to a sense of that at some point. So I think it's just a super
0: important issue for your audience. Could you both tell me a little bit about yourselves, your backgrounds, where you're from?
2: I came from a background of my mom taught for thirty three years at Lake Delton Elementary School. It was a five time I believe. They had a good report card and they were blue ribbon school. So I've grown up ever since about third grade I have been going to school with her, like on my off days, helping her out and I've been in a variety of classrooms from like ranging from four K to fifth grade, which has really helped me decide that I for sure want to be a teacher. And my dad was also on the school board for, I think he said seven and a half years total. He was president for about three or four years, and then the rest of his time he was treasurer. I know there was some difficulties between that. He was on there during the Act 10 time, but he did enjoy it. He created the agendas and all of that stuff. So they have been very supportive in my decision on becoming a teacher.
1: My background is, first and foremost, I am a classroom teacher and who's had a lot of really exceptional outside-of-the-classroom opportunities. I will be starting my 31st year in September, and it doesn't feel like 31 years ago I was that new fledgling teacher. Oh, my goodness. It seems like yesterday. And I have taught everything from 4K all the way up to adult education, Spanish, English language art. About a decade ago, I was named Wisconsin State Teacher of the Year, which has given me a ton of opportunities to make connections with educational leaders across the state. I followed that up with a year fellowship with the U.S. Department of Education which gave me a whole new view on public ed. And then I sit on a number of state and national boards where sometimes I'm the only educator uh, that's in the room for those. So that's my background. But again, first and foremost, I'm a classroom teacher because that's where really my passion lies and it keeps me grounded.
0: Leah, tell me the story of how you came to make a commitment to this cause of finding and training new teachers.
1: I've had the opportunity through being the Wisconsin State Teacher of the Year and also the fellowship with the U.S. Department of Education. I find myself in a lot of different situations where people are asking for practitioner opinion. And I was going to an awful lot of places and events in the state or across the country where everybody was talking about teacher shortages. And that was like 2015, 2016. And everybody was talking about the same thing. And I thought, you know, how can we resolve this? Why are we all talking about it and all these different venues, but we're not moving on the crisis? And that was early. Early on, That's not now. <laughs> you know, that was early on. We knew that there was going to be a massive shortage and it would only increase. So I found myself sitting at the lunch table with the state superintendent from North Carolina and she at this at that time said, you know, one thing we don't have, Leah, is a shortage of ag teachers in North Carolina because every ag teacher that they make a concerted effort to find and recruit one student who will go into ag education. Like it was a concerted effort to make sure that their ag program stayed strong across the state and in local districts. And I thought, why aren't we doing that in schools, right? Why as a Spanish teacher am I not finding my best potential uh, candidate to become a Spanish teacher each year and mentoring that person? And then I got back home and I started looking around, well, you know, we have FBLA, we have FFA, and that was the reason why in that state superintendent said that we don't have a shortage because they have a super strong FFA organization. At the adult level, you know, at the high school level, great alumni group. So why aren't we doing that in education? So I started Googling future teacher organizations and really didn't find anything. Mm -hmm. How do we not have that in our schools? So when I did my fellowship with the U.S. Department of Education, the year the cohort that followed me, there was a guy there and his name was Dan Brown, not the author of books, but Mm -hmm. uh, Dan Brown, he was an educator. And as I did my Google search, Dan's name popped up and he was affiliated with Educators Rising. So after his year of fellowship, he went in and he was the national co-coordinator for Educators Rising. And I dug around a little bit and that used to be known as Future Teachers of America, but it had kind of fallen off the map for a couple decades and it was being reinvented under Dan's direction. It's sponsored by Delta Alpha International. And we didn't have it in Wisconsin at that time. And that was in 2016. I feel a deep debt to my profession because I was able to have so many unique experiences that tied into my state teacher of the year experiences and that fellowship that I did. And I really felt like I enjoyed some things that were super special that most teachers don't get the opportunity to do. And I had a debt to pay that back. So a little bit of survivor's guilt, I think, (laughs) and wanting to do what I could about the teacher shortage.
0: It sounds like, Leah, we can kind of think of educators rising as for teachers as to what the Future Farmers of America is for farmers, a way to find, recruit, and encourage high school students to become future teachers, is that right? You're spot
1: on. It's a, definitely a career exploration organization. You know, at the state level and probably in some of the districts that your listeners are from, they might have FCCLA, which is a registered career and technical student organization with our state and through DPI. And we complement each other. The work that we do with FCCLA and Educators Rising Wisconsin complements each other. But Educators Rising is dedicated 100% to supporting the kids who are exploring the career.
0: Aaron, could you tell us how you came involved with Educators Rising, how you first started working with Ms. Luke?
2: I didn't start Educators Rising. I didn't join the club until this past year, my senior year. I always thought I was going to be a nurse practitioner. And, like, I always had that dream. And I always thought Educators Rising was always for people who want to be teachers. And then I took my counselor. She told me to, like, Just take a variety of classes my senior year just to, like, get a feel of everything, just to, like, help my decisions when I'm going into college. I took this class, Intro to Education, Individual School and Society, and really started to enjoy it. Miss Luke came to me and was like, hey, how about you join Educators Rising? And I'm like, well, I don't know if I want to be a teacher. And she was like, it's not just for teachers. It's just to kind of get an idea of what teachers do. So then I came to a meeting, and there was a bunch of kids who weren't even going into teaching. Some were, like, going into business. And I'm like, oh, maybe this is good. It'll help get an idea. Then we started doing uh, some of the activities that we do in the club. And I'm like, oh, maybe this does interest me. And I told myself I was never going to be a teacher because my mom was a teacher. And people would think I'd be following her footsteps. But then I decided I think this is for me. So then I got even more involved in the club. And some of us, as seniors, we did a micro-credential through our class in Educators Rising. And we went to the state conference. I think that really made my decision because I met so many people that, like, hear the things that people who are going into education hear. And it was just nice to hear, like, it wasn't only me thinking the setbacks of going into education.
0: You said a moment ago that your experience in the club and class kind of made you want to be a teacher. Could you talk a little bit more about that? What was it in particular, do you recall, that kind of changed your mind?
2: In the individual school and society class, we watched a lot of different films. About the impact teachers leave, and I always knew in my future profession, I wanted to help somebody. Seeing how these students feel just made me want to make that impact. I want to be the reason a kid wants to come
0: to school. And you said a moment ago that you saw some of the challenges that teachers face. Could you talk more about that?
2: Yeah, some of my classmates, I just hear when I say I want to be a teacher, they're like, oh, really? And I'm like, yeah. I just get kind of rude comments. And even just from other people, some people even at my graduation party saying, oh, what are you going into? And I'd be like, elementary education. And they'd be like, oh, no, don't do that. You're too smart. You can do such better things. And I was like, oh. And I just always think that I don't think money brings happiness. I just think. You should do something that you love. And I don't really care what other people have to say. I'm just going to do what I want to do. That makes me happy for the rest of my life.
1: Can I just add to that? Like That is such a typical response from a student that's gone through our program, our Grow Your Own program here in Boston. Often I'll start out the year with you know a new batch of kids and you know 20 to 25 students are involved in our Educators Rising program. And now I'm in a small rural high school, about 450 students. So I mean, that's a pretty decent sized club. Mm-hmm. We should be hitting about 10%. About 10% of students who take the ACT indicate that they're interested in going into education. So I feel pretty good that I have one of the largest clubs in the state, but really I should be hitting 40 or 45. When I have a meeting, I always ask that question at the beginning of the year with the new students and I say hey how many of you have shared with someone important to you that you're thinking about going into education they all raise their hand and then I, I always ask you know how many of you have experienced a negative a reaction just like what Aaron has described and almost every hand goes up and it's not just their family members and being in education is a challenge every day is a challenge it's also beautiful because every day is different and got to keep in mind what what happened in Uvalde not too long ago and the school shootings and how we address that and how we have you know kindergartners practicing for shooting drills like it's a hard job and when students share with their family members that they're thinking about going into education, they get reactions like Erin did. Now, Erin was describing people who cared about her and came to support her at her graduation party, right, and celebrate that milestone with her. And then, yet, she got that kind of feedback. And almost every kid that I have gone through the program has experienced that same thing. And sadly, Dan, they also experience it in the school from teachers that they care about, teachers that they respect sometimes school counselors, but they're also hearing that message within schools and we have to stop that. Right. So educators rising as a club in a district and at the state level and at the national level wraps these kids like Aaron who are, you know, considering a career in education that gives them a coat of armor to address those comments. Mm-hmm. Right. Aaron said, I just heard her say, I don't really care, right? They said, why would you go into teaching? You're so smart. Oh my gosh, right? <laughs> what was more important than being a public education teacher? Right. Sometimes kids start on a different career path maybe 10 years from now after you have been in industry or after you've been a nurse maybe you'll loop back around and you'll decide hey i want to work for western technical college as a nursing instructor so a lot of what we do with the club is also planting that seed maybe you're going to choose a different path you can still stay in our club right you don't have to go into education and about 50 of the kids who are involved in our club they really aren't thinking about going into teaching but we plant that seed so that later on hey there's a supportive network here This club is a supportive network. Our district is supportive of your thoughts, your career exploration here at the state. So some of it is just planting that seed. But I just wanted to point out that so many kids experience that same thing. You want to know what's contributing to the teacher shortage, those responses that they're getting.
2: And I just think educators rising is so important because it kind of shows these kids that aren't going into education how hard teachers truly work. So many people say that it's an easy job. Seeing my mom come home from days of work, she's just wiped out. It is a very hard job, and I don't think many understand that.
0: The teacher shortage isn't the same everywhere across the state at different grade levels and content areas. In rural areas, especially, is a shortage. If you talk about kind of the specific areas that need teachers the most?
1: Well, Dan, I'm not sure I have the specifics on that, but I know across the state it doesn't matter if it's rural or it's urban, you know suburban special education teachers of course in our district they're starting a new innovative yeah. incentive for either teachers who are working in the district already or to recruit new teachers by offering an additional stipend does mm. will go on their base but it's an additional stipend to go into special education just because that is such a critical area so now talk about where we need our best and our brightest right there i mean we had a hard time in our district and again we're in central wisconsin we had a hard time filling a middle school english language arts position. When I graduated from college a million years ago, I thought I was going to go into English language arts and I kind of kept my Spanish going on the side. And my first job was a combo job, but, you know, there were a million English language art teachers out there and really districts could, you know, pick and choose. That shortage, you wouldn't think that there would be a shortage of English teachers, but there is. My daughter was on an emergency license this last year filling that vacancy. She thought she was just going to be doing it for six months. They reposted the position thinking we have a new crop of graduates we could choose from, and they didn't get any... Applicants from within the country. I think they had two from outside of the country that applied for it. And then my daughter reapplied. And again, she was on emergency licensure. So she was able to fill that position through the whole year. So I think it's everything. You know, it's everything from CTE positions, to English, to social studies, uh, definitely to science and math, engineering. So it's just about every area, even elementary. I remember listening to one of our elementary teachers here. Usually they would have a pool of like 200 applicants for opening elementary positions position now it's like 10 applying for those jobs so it is really honestly almost every area we're having a hard time filling a part-time Spanish position we had um, the other department members she transferred into our new middle school charter school and we are really trying to patch something together for our second Spanish teacher in my department and here we are August is breathing down our neck and we're not quite there yet.
0: One benefit of this approach might be that some of, or many of, perhaps the students that you recruit, while they will likely go away to college, they might be more likely to want to come back to their community or a nearby community to come back and and teach. And so it can really grow a community's pool of teachers. Is that part of the goal, or are you just hoping that you create more teachers to teach anywhere in in Wisconsin or the country?
1: Both, right? Because Mm -hmm. I'm also the state coordinator. So I think about what do we need to do? What's the triage for the whole state? But absolutely, definitely here there is a strong message there that districts could send having an educators rising club in their high school and then also inviting in and making sure that the board members are engaged with the club, that the district superintendent is engaged and supporting the club, the high school principals. Like this is a all hands on deck, the HR department, because those are statewide organizations like the School Board Association and the School Personnel Administrator who are deeply engaged in this work too as advocates for Educators Rising. So I think it's all hands on deck and the more of those types of folks can connect to high school students before they leave increases the likelihood that they will come back and fill those vacancies in four or five years.
0: Can you tell us about how many districts in Wisconsin have Educators Rising clubs at the moment?
1: At the moment, we have about 40 clubs. So we started in 2016. There was one club in Racine. Before there was a state affiliate, there was an individual club in Racine, Unified District. And then we quickly scaled up to about 72 40 registered clubs, and then 33 individual students from different districts who had registered. So roughly 73 different districts were involved in some way in a very short amount of time. So the interest was absolutely there, and at the time, DPI ex- explored the idea of educators rising for the first two, two and a half years. And then because we're not a recognized CTSO, a career and technical student organization, we needed to go a different route. So there was a conversation with the then state superintendent, Stanford Taylor, and WEAC president, Duff Martin. And it was agreed that WEAC had a greater capacity for encouraging the growth of clubs. WEAC members and WEAC is deeply invested in students, right? We care about our kids. We love our kids. We want what's best for them. And also as an organization, it is deeply committed to the professionals that are part of WEAC. So those two things merge so nicely in Educators Rising. So that's kind of how it became housed at act. And we do, like I say, we collaborate with DPI as part of our advocacy group. The career pathway has just come out for education, and there's work that's being done on that. So we communicate and go hand in hand with DPI's efforts. It's just that WEAC is now the host organization.
0: Aaron, you talked a little earlier about the reaction you got when you said you wanted to be a teacher. And it sounds like that this class that you took as a senior and this club were pretty important to you. How would you say that, speaking you know, as a high school student recently graduated, that more students could be persuaded to take that path, to want to become teachers? What can schools do? What can teachers do? We talked about a few of them already, but what was really important to you in your decision?
2: I just think the variety of classes my counselor helped me take or sign up for I think just using all of those, I knew I wanted to help somebody. And then with Ms. Luke asking me to be an Educators Rising, again, I wanted to be a nurse practitioner. I did not want to be a teacher. And just doing all of those activities that we did in Educators Rising, all of those together just made me really make my decision.
0: That makes sense. And so it sounds like there's probably a lot of young people like Aaron, Leah, who say they want to help people. And they may not ever get the question, have you thought about being a teacher?
1: Absolutely. And that's what, you know, my dream is to have an Educators Rising organization to every high school across the state, right? Because who better to coach them and to support them and to guide them than teachers? I mean, that's a no-brainer, right? I think about, you know, back in 2016 when I kind of started on this path to bring Educators Rising to Wisconsin, I thought about, you know, I have students, high school students, who are going through the really rigorous process of becoming CNAs like they give up their sports, they mm-hmm. give up their involvement in musicals, they go to school for three extra hours a night or three nights a week and all to become a CNA. And you know, the pay's not great for CNAs and the work isn't great for CNAs, but they understand, they have a deep understanding that this is the first step to becoming a nurse practitioner, or this is the first step to becoming an RN. And they get that. Our high school students, have the capacity to understand I could take steps now in high school that can help me on my career trajectory, right? So why not follow that same pattern? We have all the people here And for your listeners, like you have all the people in your building, what you really need to find is one super passionate educator that can have those heart-to-heart conversations and plant the seed or support those kids that are definitely on that
0: pathway. And you said earlier that board members set the conditions under which teachers operate. What would you like them to know about steps they can take to help alleviate the shortage, to help encourage their students to become teachers?
1: Right. First off, please at an Educators Rising Club, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Talk to the building principal, see if there's capacity for that. The school counselor, is there capacity for that? We've been lucky enough, we've had some communications with Wisconsin School Counselors Association, and they're one of our advocates. So we're starting some combo work with them on this initiative. And just really go ahead, board members, and ask your district administrator and your building principals, would you consider establishing an Educators Rising Club? Mm-hmm. And then point them in my direction, because I'll give them all the information during my lunch period or after school I'll contact them we could do zoom meetings but I really think that just getting some support in the school mm. for kids who are considering going into education, it doesn't cost a penny. There is no charge to register a teacher leader or a building administrator at the national level. And then there's a whole bunch of uh, resources that, open that just registering opens the door and access to a bunch of resources at the national level. And then at the state level, there is no cost to register in your school. Just getting on that list then gets you on my mailing list and we can connect and I can help in any way that I can and give suggestions or support. The only cost that there is is students should become registered members at the national level, and there's a $10 cost for that. And, of course, you know, supporting If in our district, if we have an idea for a new student organization, we have to run it for a couple years and then ask for a stipend. So that ask will come at some point and just be ready for that because we want to honor those professionals that are, you know, really helping to solve Some of those hiring issues further on down the road. And then this is a big ask, Dan, but like whoever that teacher advisor is in the high school, they don't have time for bake sales. So if anybody has some magic money that's in a side pocket somewhere that they could use for these sorts of initiatives, please find that and be generous with that. My own building principal, he has been so gracious in finding us money for the bus, to go to the state conference, registration for kids, paying for their micro-credentials. He's just been really good about the financial support of that. Now after three years we've done pizza sale and we do some of that but they need to focus on supporting those kids that will help build the teacher shortage in those districts. So again, I said this before, but it's all hands on deck. So if there's any way to take that extra fundraising pressure off of those teachers, that is gold.
0: Erin, you said you had a good experience at the Educators Rising State Convention. Can you talk more about what that was like for you?
2: I created a PowerPoint. So I went and observed a teacher, a non-core teacher. The teacher I observed was a health physical education teacher. And I took notes on it. I saw what she did, like saw the challenges of her profession. And I created a PowerPoint and I took it to compete at at a Stevens Point. Then I also, there were some breakout rooms that we went to. You would go and sit and listen to a teacher talk about their presentation. And just like listening to these teachers, their stories, the good sides and the bad sides, it just, again, made me realize how hard this profession actually is and why I want to do it, why I want to be there for the kids. I met a lot of people that, again, hear the same things as I do, but they're still going into education because they want to. That was our fourth
1: in-person conference that we've held now since 2016, COVID year. We had to drop it like a week before the conference. And then we did virtual the following year. And for the last three years, we've been with UW-Stevens Point. They've been wonderful supporters. They're uh, Education Center. All of the breakout sessions and the keynote speakers are either have been state teachers of the year or that they are educational leaders from across the state. So we really bring in a high caliber level of speakers. And it's super valuable for a couple of reasons. It'll be March 1st, by the way. So March 1st, 2023 at UW-Stevens Point, a one-day conference. Hopefully someday we'll grow to two day But we just get really high-quality teachers in front of the kids so they can hear their intense stories about how they got to be, you know, these superstars, super teachers, and then again, educational leaders. Our judges, like Erin described the competition that she was in, our judges are state education leaders too. We have high-quality judges also from various stakeholders, groups and that's so important too for them to see for the stakeholders to see as well as for the students to see like these people think you're important kids and they're behind you in your efforts in your endeavors and your dreams so that state conference is valuable for that part the speakers and the judges and the high quality of those and then also because they get in a big room full of students just to be in the same room with other students like them, who are saying, oh, I'm thinking we're all going into teaching, too, and be in that supportive environment. So anytime we can wrap them in support through Educators Rising, that is a win.
0: Are there any other factors, just what boards can do to make teaching the kind of profession where people want to stay?
1: I thank you for that question and the opportunity to put in my two cents on that. So Pay is important, of course. Benefits are important, of course. Just being listened to, that doesn't cost anything. Anytime that there can be direct one-on-one conversation with practitioners, the classroom teachers or other school personnel with a board member, just being easily accessible. Hmm. One of my good friends was previously the president of our board. And I don't think it came in that order. I think we became friends. Didn't always agree on everything, but became friends. But I just felt like I had really good access. Aaron's dad was our board president for a while too. And Mm he kind of had a wild idea for a high school charter school. And we took it to him. And first, he wasn't too keen on the idea. But then he listened. Then it was a thumbs up on that. So just being really accessible and just listening, maybe not even having feeling like you have to offer a solution to something or to take action on something. Everybody just wants to be listened to, whether you move something forward after that discussion or not. But I think just that one-on-one or small group, come into the school, come into my classroom. Our board presidents, the last couple have been, and our superintendents have been really good about coming into the education class and just dedicating some time to talking to our future educators. So they're used to being listened to. So if they could continue that listening sessions, one-on-one, being accessible, 100% recommend that. I think that that creates a trusting environment and kind of a an air of collaboration. And, you know, we're in this together because we are, right? Everybody has students' best interests in mind. That's why board members serve. And that can be a very thankless job. I know it was difficult during, during COVID for so many, but just we're all in this for the kids. So just being able to communicate that and share ideas. And sometimes we don't agree on the same thing. So just being okay with that too.
0: Thank you. And just to wrap up, Aaron, where do you see yourself teaching and what kind of topic or level? What do you want to do?
2: So this fall I'm going to UW Platteville for elementary ed, and I chose that school because I want to be in a rural area. I love the rural areas. I grew up on, I live on a farm. Okay. So elementary, yes, but I really love third grade or first grade. So I think second grade would maybe be good. I think third grade is a really good age. I was in their tutoring um semester this past year and. They're independent, but they still want to learn. They're eager to learn. They want to be there. So I think that's a really good age.
0: Sure. Is there anything I, I should have asked either of you that we haven't discussed?
1: Erin, how did you decide to go to UW-Platteville? That might be an interesting story.
2: Yeah. My mom went to UW-Platteville, and both of my brothers did. So it was all always very familiar. But I was also looking at UW-Eau Claire. But with Educators Rising, we went on a field trip to UW-Platteville in December, I think it was. we went and toured the school of ed and we went and sat in on some classrooms and kind of got a feel of what it feels like there and just being in those classrooms and like seeing the connections with the professors and the students i want that because i want my professor to know where i am and they always some of the students were there to talk to us that are in the school of education at uw Platteville, and they were saying if you don't come to class a few days the professor will reach out and Mm. i want a one-on-one connection with my professor instead of going to like a super big school where some professors don't even know
1: some of their students. And Dan, that's one of my favorite stories. That's one of my favorite stories with Aaron because we, in the Educators Rising Club, I try to arrange it so that we go and see classrooms at schools that don't look like Mauston High School, mm-hmm. right? Because sometimes we have a very limited view of what does teaching in a different area look like. I use my network, the State Teacher of Year Network. I try to get them into a state teacher's classroom or into the building to take a look at that. And I also try to get them on tours of one private institution each year and one Wisconsin institution each year. i love Erin's story because she was set on eau claire and then all of a sudden after the tour and they had a great rural education program with some forgivable loan through uw platteville and that just made me smile when she said well i'm gonna go to
2: platteville yeah
0: year. favorite story good good thanks so much for joining us for the podcast i really appreciate it yeah
2: thank you for thank having you us.
0: thank you for listening check the show notes for information about educators rising and contact information for leah luke see you next month